0: Actually a pleasure to sit here for a few minutes with you <clears throat> feel like I get to benefit from your practice do you ever come into the hall and let your heart bathe in the silence and the stillness and the goodness that is already here I hope so and sure sometimes we're working with things attending to our sankharas and we could say working But I maybe my function here this morning is to remind you how to lean back and rest and bathe this intimate bathing with our own heart mind. So, this morning I want to offer a couple of few reflections on aloneness and kindness. So, one of the ways the awakening of the Buddha, or a Buddha, is spoken about is as true aloneness, sometimes translated as complete. Singleness, utter singleness, where the heart mind, the chitta, is no longer leaning on references of self or other. is no longer looking for support in particular views it's free and this description of utter aloneness complete singleness (coughs) is used So how are you doing with the aloneness? And I want to discriminate, it's very obvious I think as meditators but I think it goes deep and our work of penetration our work of insight can actually decouple and delaminate our confusions around aloneness, our confusions around awakening, actually what that is for us. So our physical aloneness, which we have some degree of here in some way, if we're not in the normal social contact, this physical aloneness is, um, in the context of this retreat, is a support for our investigation. The aloneness of the Buddha is not a physical aloneness. Although he, she, they will do that to support the steadying, the settling, the penetration, the insight. Otherwise we're pulled out, very often, into our ways of relating. True aloneness, as I understand it from the teachings, is the absence of others internally. Now that's different from bringing in others for our meta-practice, for our cultivation, for our wholesome reflection. This is where the inner conversations with the other, have you had any of those this <laughs> 10 days, where that has come to rest. Because of course the arising of self is absolutely, completely, the arising of other at the same time there is no arising of self without the arising of other in our mind where we have relaxed having to reference ourself in that way so what would it for whatever reason we're here whatever is our deepest motivation whether it's worded as I want to completely awaken I want to completely know emptiness I want to um, you may word it differently I want to be able to know and live the capacity of the human heart that I sense or I've glimpsed or I've opened I want to be able to live that in my life if we want to know either of those and they may come to the same thing we need to know that no one can keep us company in our own awareness. Keep us company in our own awareness. Just take a breath with that. No one can keep us company in our own awareness. And if we're interested in our relating, we also cannot truly be in relationship unless we can be truly alone. Because otherwise what's happening is we are relating to the other and you all know this, I'm sure, through our ideas, through the lenses of the residues of the heart, of the hurts or the abandonments or the neglect that we may have encountered in our life, absolutely, from others who were not able to rest in their awakened heart in that moment at best, right? Others who weren't practicing the Brahma-viharas, the metta, the kindness, the joy, the balance. So yes, we know one part of practice is handling those residues as they arise. And that's the skill in our attention that when the hurt, the sadness, the hate... Whatever it is that arises is, is coming this morning, let's say. That our wise attention, the training in attention, first lets us steady the mind, right? So we're not just drawn in completely. Let's steady the mind. We reference body, we walk, we give ourselves another skillful reference to steady, to nourish. And the wise attention is one that is an intimate, kind attention that is not leaning on our cramped heart, nor is it pushing it away. And in that way, probably we've heard many times, but our practice will bring us to those places again and again. In that way, these places of cramped, the cramped heart, The limited heart the um, hardened heart the dry heart the desperate heart the hungry heart the hateful heart those places can be allowed touched embraced and widened around and included again included again as they unfold into the circle of belonging into the kindness where we know that we don't have to divide that painful state anymore. We do not have to reject it. Once upon a time, that state, that anger, that hatred, that sadness may have jeopardized our sense of belonging. But true belonging, because this is what the Buddha finds in his or her complete aloneness, That is where he finds everybody, everything, utterly intimate with all of it, and that includes all the different ways a human heart can show up. So as meditators, I think we have a... a, A window into the fact that being alone is not equal to isolation. I think conventionally that can look like that and actually even while we are here we may know that right we may of course not may I can't imagine you'd still be here or keep coming back to practice without having tasted the beauty or the fruits or the ease or the um, opening or the spaciousness or the sense of possibility of this heart-mind, right? you wouldn't still be here. We know that physical aloneness is not necessarily equatable with isolation or loneliness. But in being willing to bring ourselves to a kind of aloneness here, Those states, that confusion as a human animal I think we can have between aloneness and loneliness can show up for us here. Have you ever been lonely on retreat? And some of you might think, actually I'm much less lonely on retreat than I am out there. You know, we know the loneliness is not dependent on whether the other is present or not. We can be equally lonely when the other is there but for our work, for understanding the um, um, freedom from identification with the body, which is one um, of the freedoms, we can say, that the Buddha points to, we will need to discriminate the ways that the lonely heart, because for a small human mammal physical aloneness is life threatening right we do need the others in a particular way the physical others in a particular way so i want to speak a little bit a little bit about loneliness sometimes and i just posit this as a possibility just you can check it out when it arises it may not be showing up for you these days or this day but when we're in our internal dialogue with others even if it's subtle we often find we might be with the other in some kind of position of what do you do in your inner dialogues are you defending something Rehearsing something, accusing someone of something, or or yourself. Feeling judged by the imaginary other. Pleading with the imaginary other. Those things actually um, obscure the heart's loneliness. They keep us in company. And we're busy and there might be a drama and they keep us busy. And absolutely we need a lot of kindness and skill there. It's not that those things won't happen. Of course they will, at times. But actually sometimes we don't always want to leave ourselves alone. We don't always want to let go of the other. And I think our capacity to let go of the inner other is directly related to our capacity in our meditative life to taste and trust more and more that in this location there is what we need to hold the heart, to soothe the heart, to nourish the heart, to uplift the heart, to steady the heart. We trust that more and more as we taste it for ourselves. We taste it in the presence of our own samadhi. You all will have tasted the delight, actually, of even or glimpsed the freedom of utter aloneness, true singleness, complete singleness. Sometimes we don't recognize the loneliness that um, is here. Actually, I don't think I ever used that word in my practice for a very long time, but I found it very helpful. Because if you consider any time the searching heart, the searching mind is searching around for something here, externally or internally, any time we're looking for a reference even in our own mind, looking for the thought to tell us who we are, even the inner judgment, which is a, such a painful kind of intimate relationship that we have very closely, the inner judge telling us, you know, come on, try harder, do better, that's no good, you're not far enough along there, any time we have moved from that flicker Of our humanity into searching, the heart is hungry. The heart is believing she is alone, where loneliness equals separation, loneliness. And in the Buddha's language, we use the language of separation. But if you think about it, you know, with the four truths, there is dis ease. There is a cause for that. The dis ease is the dis ease of taking ourselves as separate. The dis ease is, and when we take ourselves as separate, no matter how much we pad it out, or no matter how much we try and fill the holes there, there is a sense of lack and seeking for something to fill the hole. Often we don't touch the loneliness because we believe if I can just get that thing that will fill the hole if I could just get more meta, if I could just get more pudding another cup of barley cup Four sugars <laughs> whatever if I can get that thing that's where we place our trust because we are wired to seek it's part of our um, human animal wiring. We're wired to seek from very early on for that thing that can nourish us, hold us, soothe us, steady us. And rightly so we're wired that way. The little infant is why wi- is wired. We could say wired or primed. Wired makes it sound a bit clinical. Primed to seek for the breast. To seek for the one who can hold us so we can our discriminating wisdom can actually see what we're doing that's the beauty of the silence when we see ourselves searching here do you do it at all even just wandering around lost searching for what to do next Searching for a note on the board, searching for new, interesting things to read. Um, one woman I remember, and I tell this story often. It's very touching because you can feel the heart in it. She was on a month-long retreat like this, and at the end, she reported how it took her a few days to realise, but that she would kept finding herself by the washing line. Was it was in the old Gaia house. So the washing lines here, I can tell you where they are, you don't need to know where the washing lines are. But she would find herself by the washing line, just thinking she was doing her standing meditation. And what she found out after a couple of days, not she wasn't there the whole time, but she would sort of go back like a, gro- like a shrine almost. She would go back to the laundry that was on the washing line and her husband's trousers. And he was on retreat too. Her husband's trousers were hanging on the washing line for four days that June because it rained the whole time and the staff didn't bring them in because, you know, didn't know if there's more chance of them drying out there or in here. And she would find herself standing by the trousers, kind of, oh, it's better. Right? It, took, it takes us a while sometimes to recognize what we're doing when we're feeling lost or when we're vague and in our own mind. What's your mind doing? Is it seeking for a reference externally or internally? The internal references will be, you know. What does your mind do for internal references? Sometimes I would see, I would see my mind in the. Um, as I would go deeper, sometimes it would just kind of flicker around looking for something that I'd done wrong just to remind myself of how they you know who I was searching around or what I hadn't solved yet or what I hadn't achieved or what I evidence some kind of evidence as a self-reference who and what are we when we're not doing that. And sometimes the territory that we have to touch on the way to true aloneness at times might be, will be actually, the sense of separation. The sense of taking ourselves to be separate. So whether we're referencing somebody's trousers or referencing our inner critic or referencing, you know, in the case where I'm looking to know what it is that I've done wrong, I'm referencing the other internally as the critic. Letting go of that, coming into our walking practice, feeling our feet on the earth, feeling the out-breath go all the way out before we pick up the next thing to to push us. It can also be the spiritual um, uh, critic or the spiritual ego that's also pushing us, like a hand at our back, pushing us to practice more, pushing us to do it better get more of this less of that there's still the sense of self and other we're referencing our guidance system to some kind of inner other one woman again on, on i think it was this november retreat again she, she took her a few days she would say oh my goodness when i walk into the meditation hall you know i think i'm doing all right i'm i might be open there might be kindness but I come in and the way I treat myself when I sit down on the cushion. She called it in the end her Dharma fascist. She said, it's like, I'm like, it's like I might be really kind out there or walking in the grass, but I'm sort of... <sighs> now that's different from determination and love of the truth and passion. It's got a sense where the heart actually tightens up tends to shut down in that kind of inner environment. We could even still get clear in the head center a little bit. We might even see things or look deeply into things, but the heart is not held, is not soothed, is not allowed in that... not, Not allowed, it doesn't want to come out. Who'd want to come out in that environment? That inner environment. One of the ways the... The kindness is spoken about that the the word metta comes from the root in Sanskrit which is mit apparently and that the connotation of the word mit is um, to plump out to fatten right that the heart the chitta the heart-mind can plump out can fatten can take up the room that it is its nature, actually. You know, the Brahma-viharas, the metta, the kindness, the compassion, the joy, the balance, are spoken about as qualities that are unlimited, immeasurable, without limit. This is our nature. This is where we're heading if we're interested in waking up. This, these are the faces of the Buddha, The way he or she comes into the world is with a heart that is plumped out because he and she has handled the residues handled the places in practice where the heart shrinks hardens dries up narrows name your (laughs) name your The way your limitation might show up and even as we open more and more we will still come into contact with those separating boundaries of the heart can we recognize those limitations can we include them can we bring a kind attention to them when they show up This is a short paragraph from Ajahn Sachito, one of my teachers, and he's saying something very simple and profound with regard to our practices. He says, "We are the aspect we as human beings, or we are the aspect of the cosmos that reflects on itself, and that can thereby develop a holistic wisdom, a whole wisdom, a wholeness." He says that embraces and transcends any point or detail within the whole any point or detail within the whole anything that shows up can embrace can meet with kindness can discern and can widen around He says such wisdom accepts and cares for all but is not attached to or confined to any position within the cosmos whether that be self or other a mind state a tree a society or even infinite consciousness the culmination of this development he says is called enlightenment or awakening Sambodhi, such wisdom accepts and cares for all of what arises. So when we can discern the sense of separation that can arise for us here, we can see it sometimes through the mind when there's a self and other dialogue going on. Can we recognize that? When we're seeking, we keep seeking the other in our own mind. Can we see that what we're really seeking is not the relationship actually. What we're really seeking is the intimacy that's what we want when we want relationship right with ourself or another we want the intimacy intimacy with our heart intimacy takes us to the heart of our heart where every cell of the chitta is intimate with itself Every breathing breath through this body and mind is intimate with itself. That there's not a sense of me being intimate with it. The intimacy is the resolution of that duality. And even if we're interested, what even, we're interested in seeing what is beyond the sense of two-ness, then we need to dare at times to dip our toes more and more in the intimacy of our own heart. Intimacy, yes, with the space, with the ease, with the luminosity, with the radiance, with the spaciousness, with the tenderness, with the gentleness, with the joy, With the balance. And when what arises feels confined and limited and tight, that intimacy can pulsate along with that sense of separation. The tightness in the chest, the pulling in with the body, the head that's got like a steel cap on it at times. That we can be intimate with those shapes and patterns they are not me or mine they may have a history they may have a patterning but intimacy right there where every cell is knowing itself this is how we wake up with that combination of wise discernment and this willingness to sense and pulsate along with. So in the tradition one of the words uh, used for this is anukampa which is translated as pulsating, vibrating, resonating pulsating along with with what (laughs) yes the beautiful states that arise and yes the loneliness and yes that subtlety and yes the grossness at times or the less subtle pulsating along with this is one of our incredible capacities as humans That we not only can, we do pulsate along with everything right from the start. Sometimes that may have felt too much. So we've pulled in. But recovering that capacity to pulsate along with our own inner experience. Kindly. Breathing with it, including it, embracing it. Widening around it being willing sometimes to go through the gate of loneliness because separation feels lonely but it's not an error it's the place where we discriminate physical aloneness from true aloneness of the awakening completeness it's also translated translated as True completeness, you're complete in your location. So, how are you doing with the kindness, even if that's not the headline of what you're doing here? Sometimes, and I, and this was true for me, that the kindness or the Brahma Viharas can sometimes in the, in a wisdom tradition which this is, can sometimes almost have a, a second class status. Like everyone likes kindness but what I'm really doing is penetrating wisdom. Right, it sounds a bit more, Right yes beautiful penetrating wisdom but if the kindness if the pulsating along if the resonating along with things is not there that penetration will be will leave us lonely actually we may see some things clearly but it will leave us lonely and kindness really isn't second-class in this in the wisdom tradition is because because the Buddha is so brilliant I think the brilliancy is what really shines through from this particular teaching. But kindness is a way to know. So wisdom is the knowing, the discernment, the seeing clearly. Kindness is a way of knowing experience. We can know as we pulsate along with our step, the air that touches us out there, the sunshine as it warms us. Kindness can be a way of knowing. And what do we know? We know that we are the same kind. We are the same kind deeply. We're the same kind, yes, as our mind states. We're the same kind as the one who feels fear or sadness or hate, yes. We're the same kind as we penetrate deeper as the grass and the earth and the sky and the sun. That the intimacy is breathtaking unarguable it's inevitable it's what we are and we can open up to know that we are the same kind as everything else that we see internally and externally as you know the the teaching from i'm sure many of you know from zen master dogan Of saying to study the Buddha way is to study the self to study the self is to forget the self and to forget the self is to be intimate with all things to be awakened is to be intimate with all things so what might that look like in our day to day practice here in November? How kind are you? Kind, how. how. how do you talk to yourself? How do you invite yourself to the bathroom in the morning? Do you just sort of. Drag your body along or to wait till you get to the good bit which is the sitting and then but that kind of r- dialogue or is can be really healthy I remember one woman I was sharing a room with on retreat and she didn't know I was there because the wall had a dividing thing in it and it was lunchtime there was no practice period and I heard her say out loud to herself in the tenderest way It really touched me she said to herself what shall we do now my love <laughs> and if you can feel that What we do now my love that is not a sign of madness <laughs> because sometimes I think well and I think sometimes I've seen that when I forget to pulsate along with this creature this 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 one sometimes even in you know if I'm splitting at all the wisdom and the compassion in my mind and I'm really seeing yes on one level absolutely none of this is me or mine or myself absolutely but if I'm preferencing that or slightly highlighting that over the kindness then I overlook myself in not a healthy way, not a spiritual way, not the forgetting of myself. The forgetting of myself is through the pulsating along with myself. And if I do that, ignore myself, there is a way that the heart does can dry up and wither, shrink. It doesn't feel included. So welcoming yourself. Here's another piece from Ajahn Sachito. So he is a, if you don't know him he's like a big old oak he's not that old actually he's a, <laughs> he's a, he's like an old oak of a man it's like a big oak tree and this is my this is my view. been through a lot in his practice i would say and this is what he says about one of the things he says about kindness he says when i begin a meditation sitting I often imagine or visualize sitting within a pool of light, something that is gently pleasant and holding. Or I might imagine sitting in sunshine because I enjoy doing that. So I bring that image, that mood, into the mind and spread it into the body. In walking meditation, I might walk along as if I were wading a step at a time through that warm light so that the body can feel relaxed. (coughs) or I might imagine sitting with the Buddha as a father or mother or friend to be right there in the presence of someone who's saying you're all right with me whatever you are I accept it of course all this might sound a bit crass when I put it in words he says but I'm suggesting ways of evoking a mood I'm catching it from you now, Johnny. Because it's important to find your own space where you don't have to be that good or happy or vigorous or punctual or neat. (laughs) You have to place the body in a sense that says, You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Makes me happy just reading it. Imagine that welcome. Combined with our penetration. They don't have to be two separate things, they can be completely in tandem. But imagine that welcome. You're all right with me. It's like, ah, oh, it's better, right? So you might see the way sometimes that even our good effort can become slightly overwrought and pull us up, almost pull us up in the belly and the diaphragm to work harder, to be free of my sankharas so that I can have utter aloneness and no more problems <laughs> or whatever it is we want. Oh, I, I had a thought last night I would speak about something else but when the sun came out this morning, after that, was it yesterday? can't remember what it was like yesterday was it wet yesterday yeah it struck me it reminded me of something I heard from Stephen Batchelor where he said that um, in the Pali Canon the Buddha sometimes refers to himself as the solar friend solar like Sun and coming from the solar lineage Um, see if I have that <clears throat> I don't but the sense of the solar there that the one or a one who can shine light and warmth cast light and warmth on the path for us that solar quality is our nature so Ajahn Sucito in that example is bringing in that reflection on the Buddha and it may not be the Buddha for you it may be someone else or something else that can remind you of the solar quality, the sunshine, the radiance, that's the heart, that's the meta. the heart plumped out, fully fattened like the sun. It's like full of radiance, full of warmth, that's its nature. So, I, so that's when I wanted to speak at, about that s- solar quality, the metta. The kindness that we, we can meet ourselves with. So see how you walk around the rooms, see how you talk to yourself. You can bring in skillful means to support you to go, Oh yes, I'm welcome here, you're welcome here, my love. When you stand by the trousers on the washing line, you know, Oh my love, <laughs> What's going on right now? It's all right, nothing. I'm just being with my breath. Oh. Oh. (laughs) It's okay, my love. You're all right here. Breathing out. So, please... Consider what supports your intention to kindness. It doesn't always mean we feel kind, of course. The intention is what makes the difference. I think I did a whole meta, long meta-retreat once. I'm not sure I felt any kindness. But I was inclining my mind that way. You know, we... The intention bears fruit if we keep doing our work. Okay, so, so consider what will support you to, if they are at all separated in your heart-mind, to bring together this capacity for discriminating clear-seeing with this complete welcoming Pulsating along with everything that shows up. Including the closure of our heart, you know, so we don't have to judge ourselves for that. Rumi says, Your hand opens and closes and opens and closes. If it were always a fist or always stretched out, you would be paralyzed. Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding, two as beautifully balanced and coordinated as bird wings. Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding. And that's the practice of our precise mindfulness, the expanding, the contracting. We see that universes, I once remember complaining to my teacher about something contracting, he said, universes they expand and they contract, like what's the problem (laughs) (laughs) and it's a really different attitude right, oh yeah universes expand and contract pulsate along with that, we learn a lot there because we're not, with our wisdom and mindfulness we're not trying to get the location right we're following and seeing the universal characteristic here of change in that case of expansion and contraction breathing out this too so I want to finish with a poem <clears throat> Um, and just, I'll finish with this, and then I'll then I'll be silent. But just to say, if um, anybody who's coming to see me today is willing to go first, I think the first person crossed their name out. So if anyone who's later, well, if see what you can do, if you can shuffle the list up, that would be helpful. Joe's putting a thumb up, and then if the rest of you look, so that way I, I can. Um, not that I mind waiting but I won't have to wait so this one is called the house of belonging it's a deep need of the human heart it's by David White I awoke this morning in the gold light turning this way and that way thinking for a moment it was one day like any other But the veil had gone from my darkened heart. And I thought it must have been the quiet candlelight that filled my room. It must have been the first easy rhythm with which I breathed myself to sleep. It must have been the prayer I said speaking to the otherness of the night. And I thought this is the good day you could meet your love. This is the painful day someone close to you could die. This is the day you realize how easily the thread is broken between this world and the next. And I found myself sitting up in the quiet pathway of light, the tawny, close-grained cedar burning round me like fire, and all the angels of this housely heaven ascending through the first roof of light the sun has made. This is the bright home in which I live, This is where I ask my friends to come. This is where I want to love all the things it has taken me so long to learn to love. This is the temple of my adult aloneness. And I belong to that aloneness as I belong to my life. There is no house like the house of belonging. This is the bright home in which I live. This is where I ask my friends to come. This is where I want to love all the things it has taken me so long to learn to love. This is the temple of my adult aloneness. And I belong to that aloneness as I belong to my life. There is no house like the house of belonging.